message of Christ's love from Mission Bay Community Church. All right, shall we gather from our time of peace and chatting? And I hope, I hope you will chat some more after worship. I want to draw our attention into our scripture for the sun night. <laughs> it's from the Gospel of John. And here we are. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. That means the Jewish leadership, because everyone in the room would have been a Jew. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my fingers in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Will you pray with me? God, we come together tonight and we ask that you, you speak through me and through all of our hearts that we might hear your word afresh for us this week, this night. May it be so. In your son's name, amen. Thomas. We typically hear of him as Doubting Thomas. Are you familiar with this guy? With the story? Seeing a lot of shaking heads. Super. Well, do you know that Thomas has other appearances in the gospel? Some of you might, some of you might not. I didn't remember them because they're small. So I'm going to, to uh, read them to you. The first one, the first time he's in the Bible, and he's really only in the Gospel of John, is John 11. And uh, it's the story of Lazarus, and Lazarus has, di has died, and they're hearing about it, and they're trying to decide whether or not they're going to go to Lazarus. And Jesus says, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples say, uh, Rabbi, the Jews, the, they were trying to stone you, and you want to go back there? And fast forward a little bit, and Jesus says, yes, <laughs> I do. And the disciples are like, oh, no. 
And Thomas, and it says chapter 16, or chapter 11, verse 16 says, Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. In other words, if they're going to kill Jesus, they're gonna to have to kill all of us, which is a pretty brave thing to say. Pretty committed, I would say. That's not typically what one might expect. So that's the first time he's in the Gospel of John, and then he's back in chapter 14. And this is one of those long speeches that takes whole sermons to understand, right? But it's where he's talking about, in my father's house are many dwelling places, and he's all very heady, and he kind of ends and, he's, and he says, so I'm gonna be there and you're gonna be there too, and Thomas says, oh Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And again, here's Thomas just saying, practically, uh, I don't get it, you know, help me out here. And I really like him, right? I feel like I've been in that place too in some class or some conversation. I'm like, it takes a lot of nerve to be like, yeah, teacher, I really don't get that, right? But Thomas isn't remembered for those things, right? Like he's not Thomas the super brave or you know, Thomas really willing to risk it all to go follow Jesus. And he's not Thomas the one with practical questions. He is, he is doubting Thomas, right? And in the book, it even calls him Thomas the twin. We don't know what that means, but again, that's not how we know him. And I feel kind of bad for the guy, because I feel like it's undeserved. Because here we are tonight with a, the third appearance of Thomas, and it starts, it's right after the tomb, and the disciples are in a room gathered, and the Jewish authorities, they're afraid of the Jewish authorities, and so they gather in the room and they lock the door, and they're afraid. And for some reason, Thomas isn't there. And we don't know why. We could take lots of guesses, and that's kind of fun to do, right? Like, who wants to sit around with a whole group of people who are freaking out and depressed and grieving? That's not usually the fun place to be, right? So Thomas isn't with them, but they have the meal, and Jesus walks in, right? Door is locked, Jesus shows up, and then he shows them his hands, and he says, peace be with you. Now, if I were one of the disciples, I might be a little concerned, right? Peter, in particular, denied him three times, and now he's confronted with Jesus right in front of him, right? All the disciples bailed. Now Jesus is showing up. I don't know about you, but it stands to reason that they have some shame, perhaps guilt, perhaps a bit of fear. It's not every day that someone just walks into a room who's supposed to be dead. And instead of pointing fingers or laying blame, Jesus says, peace be with you. And it's as if he has bridged the gap, right? He's like, let's move on. Peace be with you. And then he goes into this thing, and in the Gospel of John, it's Pentecost. He says, here's the Spirit, and he sends them out. And so they get sent out. And someone runs into Thomas. And we can guess that Thomas is also grieving, right? I mean, just a couple chapters before, he was ready to go die with Jesus. Then he was at the cross, and he saw Jesus die. And 
And then his friends come and say, oh, no, no, Jesus, he was just at dinner the other night. Can you imagine? It's like, no, no, how is that possible? And can you imagine the back and forth trying to convince somebody that this is actually real and had happened? Particularly someone who is grieving? I can imagine it would get pretty ugly pretty fast, right? If you're trying to tell me that someone I loved deeply had just walked into your party at Easter dinner, like my grandmother, I think I'd be pretty angry, right? Because it's not funny. It hurts. It hurts a lot. And he didn't believe that, right? I mean, he's, he's seen people die. He believes in science. He's not a climate denier. He gets these things. <laughs> I don't find him to be cynical. I don't find him to be despairing. I certainly don't think he's fearful to say, nah, I was at the crucifixion, let it go. And then, for some reason, well, let me step back. The thing about belief that I think we've talked about in the Gospel of John is that it's not about consent to a doctrine, right? It's not like uh, believing, if you believe in Christ, you believe X, Y, and Z. That's a very modern understanding of the word belief. In the scriptures, it's better translated as trust or faithfulness. And so when, when Jesus is saying belief, the way we have it translated, he's really saying, trust in me, have faith in me, keep walking, right? And I think we can give Thomas the benefit of the doubt here and say, he and Jesus had a pretty good relationship. My hunch is, there was a lot of faith. There was a lot of trust or belief. And I think Thomas thought that was over. And he has every reason to think that, he, that he's right. And then there's a resurrection, and we all know that means this relationship continues. And on the eighth day, one week later, Thomas is present at a meal with all the other disciples. And once again, I'd like us just to take a moment to imagine why he showed up to dinner with these guys, right? I mean, what was he expecting? Was he expecting nothing? Was he afraid? Was he excited? Or was he just kind of rationally thinking like, well, I'll show up and I'll show you, or I'll show up and we'll see what happens. We don't know. But he showed up, and the door is shut and locked once again, and Jesus shows up once again and says, peace be with you. And then he goes directly to Thomas and says, look, touch, see, it's me. And we don't know what Thomas does. We know Jesus makes the offer, but we don't know if, if Thomas grabs his hand or you know, does all those things that he claimed he had to do, right? We don't know. We all, but we do know that Jesus doesn't rebuke him either. He doesn't say, where have you been? Where were you last week? Why didn't you believe this week? In, in the Greek, the next line says, or in the English it says, do not doubt, but believe. It's Jesus' words to Thomas. But when we go to the Greek, Perhaps a better way of translating this, or at least another, because there's like three different ways to translate this, it could say, continue to have faith and trust in me. 
Jesus is saying, let's continue this relationship. And Thomas answers him by saying, my Lord and my God. And what's cool about that is that Lord back in the day was reserved for Caesar, right? So he's making a political statement, which we've heard people do before. But then he takes that next step, which no one else in the Gospels do, and he calls Jesus, my God. That's huge. And there's something in this guy who's like very serious and matter of fact, who all of a sudden just kind of loses it and was like, whoa. Isn't that exciting? I just find him to be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating, this guy. And what's also cool is that the Gospel of John, the writer of John, seems to be saying, this guy gets it. Like, this is your number one model for discipleship. Ask your doubts, ask Jesus to show up, and then Jesus, God, shows up, and he gets it. And he's the one who makes this big, whoa, it's God. That gives me, that gives me great hope for myself and for all of us when we have doubts or when we're like, I don't know. What's cool, we kind of step back from this, is to say that God speaks in the middle of whatever is going on, right? God speaks, and God came to the disciples, and one of the disciples was missing, and so God came to that disciple, right? It wasn't a one-time, you know, I got 10 out of 11, so we're good. Jesus went after the one that was missing, right? The lost sheep that kind of fits in here. And I think it's good news that not only does Jesus show up and he doesn't point fingers, but he shows up in a body and says, look, I have wounds and I have scars. And don't we all have wounds and scars? And they aren't, he's not hiding them. He's not like gloved hands, like, oh yeah, things are really good over here, right? Jesus is like, hey, look, that was awful. And I'm still with you guys. So we have a Jesus that is just embodied and showing up again and again and again when we ask and when he knows that we need him. And I suspect you could tell stories about how God showed up when you needed God. One of my very good friends tells the story that says something like, she was out hiking and took this major fall, and of course she was hiking by herself and nobody knew where she was, and she was, you know, of course it was in Alaska on a glacier. I mean, it wasn't just Mount Tam or something, you know, in the neighborhood. It was like desolated, and she had a terrible accident and a near-death experience. And when she finally got back, to her little hotel room. She called her mom, and she was like, hey mom, do you have a minute? And her mom was busy, and she's like, no, can I, I have people in the house, can I call you tomorrow? And she was like, yeah, you know? And so she put the phone down, and she starts to kind of tend to her wounds because she's one of these people that doesn't want to go to the emergency room. Yeah, that's true. And so um, she's trying to kind of, you know, in a haze, figure out what's her next step to take care of herself. 
and her phone rang. And it was someone that she just knew from graduate school who was like, hey, how are you? And she said, well, not so good. I think I need emergency medical attention. <laughs> She's like, yeah. I had a dream about you last night where you needed emergency medical attention, so I just thought I'd call and make sure you're okay. You wanna go, you wanna let me go? Well, you go take yourself to the ER, right? Like, pretty amazing story that someone heard the need and showed up in this way that doesn't happen every day, thanks be to God. It happened this one day. Now, maybe you have a story like my friend. Maybe you don't. But I have a feeling that God shows up for us all the time in the people and activities of our life. And sometimes we just need to take a minute to recognize it. So my question for you tonight is, where has God come to meet you this week? Where did you see God this week? And I invite you to get into groups of three or four kind of around you. And if you're willing, share, and if not, Perhaps you can just listen to the people around you. Where did you see God show up this week? Let's take a minute and talk amongst ourselves.
Art, I want to invite you to bring your focus back to the rest of the room. And I wonder if, any, if there's a particular story that someone wants to share that comes out of, out of your sharing just now. I see lots of smiles, that's good. Any, any stories? No? That's all right. Well, we have, we have dinner. Perhaps you can keep the conversation flowing. Let's, uh, let's give thanks in a moment of prayer. God, you speak to us. You show up in the middle of our fears and our doubts. You show up and unlock hearts and soften soften relationships and we give you thanks. We give you thanks for all of the people and perhaps pets and activities where we have seen you this week and we, we ask that you continue to speak through us, speak through other people, that we might experience you and also serve you this week. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen. For more information about our church and opportunity to give to our ministry, visit our website, missionbaycc.org.